0: The Apple, a brand new week of New York Mets baseball, a brand new week of Major League baseball, it is fantastic. The Mets were off last night, they opened a two game series starting tonight in Miami, the second game tomorrow will feature the Mets with a rematch with Matt Harvey, they are off again on Thursday and then they are home to play the Padres again, who they just split the four game set with, they split it two and two. Jake and Strowman were fantastic as always. Jake, you just... Jake's Jake at this point. Jake did set a Major League record, though, for the lowest ERA in Major League Baseball history through nine starts. At 0.62 ERA for Jake, which brought up a very salty Dodgers fan (laughs) on Twitter, which I'm sure a lot of Mets fans have seen it. This if you're not if you're not watching on YouTube, you can't really see what I'm doing. I don't have my glove with me, but Jake like fiddled with his glove after a pitch. He kind of just like touched the inside of it quickly and the Dodgers fan noticed it, recorded it and put it on Twitter and now the next thing you know people are saying Jacob the cheat and that DeGrom's a cheater and all that, which is a bunch of bull. And then what was great after that is you had McCann and Strowman and Nito, uh, Tywon Walker, a bu- Pillar, a bunch of Mets players that had DeGrom's back saying he wasn't, he doesn't use anything, he's just that good. And that's just the case, he's just that good. Now I'm not trying to be a naive, naive Mets fan that's like, oh Jake, can't, he's on the Mets, there's no way he's cheating. There is no way Jake's cheating. If you think about pine tar with pitchers or any sticky substance, I just say pine tar because it's like a general thing, but it does, it's not always not necessarily pine tar, but any sticky substance that pitchers use, if you think about it, that is going to help your grip on the ball. With a better grip on the ball, breaking pitches, or and again, this is if I'm understanding how it works correctly. Breaking pitches get a lot more movement. You have more control over it, which means it can move the way you want it. It'll stay straight for a long time. You know, you won't be throwing wild pitches every time you throw the ball. But when you look at Degrom, he does all of ninety, probably ninety-five percent of his dominating of Major League Baseball players with fastballs. Not, probably ninety-five percent of the time, he is pumping fastballs and blowing them by everyone. He doesn't throw his off-speed stuff as much. It is my understanding that pine tar does not, or any sticky substance, does not make you throw harder, per se. It may help like a touch, just for the sake of like you get a tighter, better grip on the ball, you could throw it better. But not to the extent that people would might think. It's not going to help you throw harder. It helps with breaking pitches and getting more movement. You know, some pitches you like flick your wrist, or the way you, uh, when you're coming down to throw it, or however the case may be, you get a better grip on the ball, more movement. Fastballs don't necessarily, uh, they could. I guess I could see. I mean, I don't know 100% certainty, but they, it's not gonna make you throw. If you throw 95, let's say, and then you throw pine tar on your hand or any other sticky stuff, you're not gonna be throwing 102. It doesn't work like that. So for so for that salty Dodgers fan who's probably salty that you know Trevor Bauer has been accused in the past of using sticky stuff. N- nah, there you're able to be a dominant major league pitcher or a major league hitter without using steroids or other you know sticky substances or forward substances, whatever the case may be. You're allowed to be a Hall of Fame talent without using that stuff. That is possible. They're the best athletes on the planet. They can do it. I thought it was kind of ridiculous that it gained as much traction as it did because when you also look at the sticky stuff, when Jacob deGrom came up in 2014 and you look at Jacob deGrom in 2021, and this is one of those very few instances with all this sophisticated analytic stats come into play. One of them is RPM, which is rotations per minute. So when you throw a breaking pitch, RPM calculates how many times the ball rotates as it gets to home. And if you look at DeGroms, from 2014 when he came up till now, his RPM's barely changed. He's been very fairly consistent throughout his entire career. The only time, the only thing that's really changed, he's been great since he came up. He won a rookie of the year, he's been great. The only thing that's changed is his velocity has increased. That's the only thing that's changed. Their RPMs have been relatively the same, but then you look at someone like a Garrett Cole, for example. His RPMs significantly increased when he went to the Houston Astros. From the Pirates to the Astros at first, his stuff significantly increased. Their RPMs. Which is where that conversation came in of people accusing Garrett Cole, and the same thing with Trevor Bauer. With his RPMs increasing, everybody accusing them of using stuff. Because it gives you a better grip on the ball, better opportunity to get more movement, more break, all that stuff. Jacob deGrom, I could say, I do not know firsthand, obviously, but I'm very positive that Jacob deGrom does not use anything. He is going, he's just, he's like the Mike Trout of pitchers of this era. You know, when we grow up and we're telling our kids about the greatest players that we got to see when we grew up, we're going to tell them Mike Trout and Jacob DeGrom, plain and simple. We're going to talk about how great Trout was from the moment he robbed that homer in Baltimore, and then we're going to talk about Jake starting with his Rookie of the Year, then his 10-pitch, three-strikeout performance in the All-Star game to three Cy Youngs and all that stuff. Or two, two Cy Youngs, almost a third, prop Right now, probably definitely the favorite to get the Cy Young again this year. But you know that's that's Twitter, baseball Twitter. It's a very love-hate relationship. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's horrible. And the Mets fit players and Mets fans were not having it. They were not having it with this Dodgers fan that was accusing uh, Degrom of being a cheater. But what what can you do? Which brought up another point: Are the Mets for real? In 2021 are the New York Mets actually for real this time? They have had right now, they are in the midst of the second largest division lead in baseball. Only behind it's a three and a half games. I believe the White Sox is four. Yep, they're, they have a four game lead over Cleveland, so the second biggest division lead in baseball. Seven and three in their last 10. Only team in the NL East with a positive run differential. They're six games over five hundred. yet people still think Atlanta's going to win this division. Now, Atlanta's only three and a half out. I understand there's a lot of baseball to be played. The Mets have the biggest division lead they've had since the end of the 2015 season, and we know what happened at the end of the 2015 season. So it makes you think, it makes you like, are they actually for real this year? I said they were for real from the beginning. For, for 2021, the moves they made, the new ownership group coming in, they've been for real from the beginning. Everybody should know that. That they were a legit, maybe not a, in some eyes, maybe not a World Series contender, but they were definitely a playoff and NL East contender. And they've shown that, especially with all the injuries they've dealt with and the fact that they're still where they are right now and still finding ways to win games is a testament to how good this team is and a testament to how great of a job Luis Rojas, Steve Cohen, and Sandy Alderson have done. I don't, a lot of people are saying they're not for real because the NL is horrible this year. That's not the Mets' fault. So I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan for football. So during the NFL season, when the Steelers started 11-0, everyone was saying, oh, it's because they have an easy schedule, all this stuff. There's a reason only two teams in the NFL have gone 16, have had perfect seasons from week one to the Super Bowl. There's a reason for that. The Steelers also, they do not make their schedule. That is out of their control. So for people that say, saying, oh, they're overrated because they're playing all these crap teams, well, the Steelers don't control that. They just go out there and play whoever the schedule makers tell them to play. Same thing with the Mets. A lot of people say, oh, well, a lot of the first two months of the season, they've got the Rockies twice, they've gotten Arizona twice, they've gotten the Marlins. They've yet to play, until they played San Diego, they've yet to play a legit team. That's not the Mets' fault. They don't control that. They play whoever the league tells them they play. And if they get the Orioles for 162 games or the Pittsburgh Pirates for 162 games, that's not the Mets' fault. That's the league's fault for making that. Every game matters. Well, every game matters at the end of the day. It does not matter who you are playing. If you are the Dodgers and you are playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, it does not matter. The pu- any the beauty of baseball is anything can happen when you go to the field. Anything can happen. The Pirates, it won't happen, but the Pirates could go on an insane run and make the playoffs this year. It pro- Probably 99% won't happen, but it can happen. They, the Mets are not in control of, oh, they're playing all the easy teams, oh, their division's crap. The fact that the divisions crap has nothing to do with the Mets. The fact that the Braves and Phillies are severely underperforming, as well as the Nationals, the Marlins are kind of exceeding expectations a little bit. That's not the Mets doing. That's Atlanta and Phillies doing, and Washington and Miami's doing. The Mets are capitalizing on that. The Braves and Phillies are off to horrible starts as to what they were predicted they were going to do. The Mets took advantage of that, and and they're building a lead and a comfortable division lead as best as they can they're the only team also in the division in their last 10 games to be over 500 braves and phillies are five and five in their last 10 nats are three and seven miami's one and nine so for i don't like people say this probably is like salty mets fan coming out of me i don't like people saying oh the mets aren't for real it's a fluke they're gonna mess they're they might mess it up we don't probably we don't know But they're like, oh, it's because they're in a crap division and they got all these easy opponents to start the year. That's out of their control. They go out there, they play whoever's in the other dugout, no matter if it's the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Marlins, the Rangers, whoever the case is, it doesn't matter who it is. The Mets play who they're dealt. They're taking advantage of the Braves and Phillies and Nats not getting off to great starts or ideal starts as they were expected to be. And the Mets are taking advantage of that, as they should. They're six games over. A chance to get a, a more cushion this weekend. The Braves and Phillies face off, and the Mets get Baltimore before they get San Diego again. So it'll—it's—I don't know. It's probably the salty Mets fan in me. It's fresh. It's annoying to see people like, "Oh, the Mets aren't for real. They're—they're they're still a joke team, and they're not going to contend this year." They're—they're they're not going away. I know everybody's going to be talking about the Dodgers and the Padres. Don't sleep on San Fran. The Cubs and the Brewers are not going away, neither St. Louis. The Braves, Phillies and Mets aren't going away. They're all still there. It's not the Padres and Dodgers league to lose. That's the be- that's one of the other things that's great about baseball is where you, you don't often see, besides the Dodgers, you don't usually see the, Dodgers and Yankees. You don't usually see the same teams winning every year. Usually someone different in the postseason almost every year, which is great. Like last year was Cincinnati and Miami. Years past, you know, Pittsburgh was in there, Uh, Washington. uh, um, Texas was in a couple years ago. The Angels have snuck in there one year. The, The Mariners one year got, I think, within a game of making the playoffs. You know, every year there's someone different. So it's not the Dodgers and Padres league to lose. There are plenty of teams that are very much in contention with them. So, go so to the people who are saying the Mets aren't for real, go away. <laughs> it's as nice as I can say. I'll be nice. Go away. Just Just go away. But, nonetheless, Major League Baseball All-Star Game Ballot is open, and I'm going to try something here. I don't know how well this is going to go, but we are going to vote live right now with you guys. So, as you're listening, you can hear who I'm voting for and maybe my reasoning behind... I am not going to spend forever looking at all the stats of each guy because I will be here forever. So I'm just going to kind of give a quick glance. So if you haven't voted, go vote. They give you the player, they give the average home runs, RBIs, and OPS. That's kind of neat. I like that. So I have it organized by average right now just because A to Z wasn't going to do it because I was going to miss guys. So American League, we're going to start at first base. I think Vlad, Vlad Jr. is definitely the way to go. Uh, National League, ooh, National League's a little more open. Colin Moran's hitting pretty well. Muncie, you got, who else is down here? I could vote for Pete. Here's the thing, before people start yelling at me, I'm going to vote a second, I'm going to vote, I think you could vote like 25 times a day or something like that or whatever the case may be, I will vote, I always vote twice in the All-Star game. I vote a quote-unquote unbiased All-Star ballot, and then I vote again, and I vote All-Mets. I do both. So for, before people start yelling, why don't you pick Pete or all every single Met, I do one that's not biased, a non-biased one, and then I do a All-Mets one. So for the American League, or National League first base, Pete could be in that conversation. Freeman's up there though. So is Muncy. Eric Hosmer's off to a great start as well. If I go by OPS, I think Muncy might be the the move. I'm thinking Max Muncy. He's been doing it all. He's pretty balanced overall. Hitting .264 with 13 homers and 30 RBIs at .950 OPS which is the highest among first basemen in the National League. So I'm going to go Muncie for first base. Second base, in the American, er, start with the American League. Let's see here. we got Simeon, Altuve, no Astros. I don't vote Astros. I'm still salty. You could tell me to get over it or whatever, but oh well. I think it's between Simeon and Altuve and Nick Madrigal of the White Sox. Nick Madrigal of the White Sox has been fantastic this year. But uh, look at, just giving a quick look at these stats, I think I'm going to go with Marcus Simeon for second base. For the National League, let's see, Colton Wong's injured. Cronenworth's been fantastic. Same with Adam Frazier. Uh, Jazz Chisholm's been a nice surprise. I think he'll be the Marlins' representative. Albies has been good. I think it's between, for me, Albies and Adam Frazier, but I'm thinking, or possibly Cronenworth, but I think I'm going to go Ozzie Albies. Oh, how's Gavin Lux doing? Nah, that 238, I don't... I know a lot of people don't look at batting average. I look at batting average, but I forgot about Ryan McMahon. In Colorado, I think Story's going to get the start. But let's look at second... Oh, I don't want McMahon. Change vote. I'm going to... Let's see here. We're gonna go with I think Ozzy Albies. Starting to turn things around a little bit. I think we're gonna pick Albies for second base in the National League. Third base. I think I have to go Rafael Devers. I don't see how you can pick anyone else. Devers has been just fan Devers and JD Martinez have just been amazing this year. Uh, third base in the National League, I think Chris Bryant is the way to go. It's between Chris Bryant and, obviously, Nolan Arenado's always in that conversation. Same with Austin Riley's in that conversation as well. He's off to a great start, but I think I'm going to go with Chris Bryant. Shortstop in the American League. National League, I'm going Tatis. I, I just have to. He is just incredible. What he does what he's been doing, and what if he can improve his defense, oh, man, we're in for something extremely special with what Tatis can do. So that's my National League shortstop pick. American League, let's take a quick peeky-peek here. Deberto Mondesi. I think Mondesi of the Royals. Over 1,000 OPS, hitting 360. He's only got two homers and five RBIs, but he's not a power... A leg- like a big time power guy. I it's between Mondesi and Bogarts. I think I'm gonna go Mondesi. Overall, besides the homers and RBIs, he's hitting. He's hitting very well, and getting on base. Catchers, American League. This is again a no brainer for me. I think you gotta go Salvador Perez. Just looking, taking a quick peek at everyone else. Yeah, I think Salvador Perez is the way to go. Um, shortstop. Did I not vote? Let me just take a quick peek at how Story's doing. Yeah, I don't think he's going to beat out Tatis. I just don't see that happening. National League catcher. You could make the argument for Posey. Posey's back to his uh, normal, it seems like his normal self. JT is always a big name in there. James McCann is ma- making a little push for a case. He's been on fire as of late, but I think I gotta go with Buster Posey for the National League catcher outfield, you get to pick three, I uh, can't pick Trout because he's hurt which stinks I definitely think Cedric Mullen, Byron Buxton and Cedric Mullins are deserving and then a third outfielder they take a peek Judge isn't having a bad year When he stays injury. Or stays injury free. Mitch Hanniger deserves some some love. Randy Rosarena. Ooh, this is kind of tough. This is harder than you might think when you get to the outfield. But I think I'm going to go with... So far, I got Mullins and Byron Buxton. And I think my third outfielder. I got it between Verdugo and Aaron Judge, I think. I think I got to go with Aaron Judge. I think Aaron Judge is the way to go. He has not had as much injury issues this year as compared to years past. But he has been great when he's healthy. National League Outfield, Castellanos and Jesse Winker. No doubt, I got to see in there. The third outfielder, Acuna probably. Soto's, Soto's quietly flying under the radar a little bit compared to normally. Uh, just taking a look through everyone. I think I'm going to go with Acuna. A lot of you are probably mad at me right now because I'm not picking any Mets. But like I said, I will vote for a Met. Nash or not National League. D H you don't get to pick an NLDH. The manager of the National League, so this year will be Dave Roberts, will pick someone who's voted to be a DH. It's between Mercedes and JD Martinez for me. I think I gotta go with JD Martinez. Um your main Mercedes has been struggling a little bit. So overall, here's what I have. I have at first base, I have Vlad Jr. and Muncy. At second base, I have Marcus Simeon and Ozzy Albies. Third base is Devers and Chris Bryant. Shortstop, Aldoberto Mondesi and Tatis. Catching is Salvador Perez and Buster Posey. In the outfield for the AL, I got Buxton, Cedric Mullins, and Judge. And outfield for the National League, I got uh, Castellanos, Winker, and... Acuna and then J.D. Martinez for my DH. I will vote be voting again for um, all Mets guys, but you know I just I like to do also like a non biased one and pick who I think will be there. It's tough with the Mets offensively because their offense has been so weird this year. It is not because of all the injuries. I think if there were less injuries, more Mets would be considered in terms of. Oh, I think I accidentally did something. Oh boy. Most people are most Mets would probably be higher consideration if they didn't have all the injury problems they've been having. But that is going. That is my All Star ballot for this year for the Mets. I like I said, Degrom should be starting. Miguel Castro, Taiwan Walker, uh, Stroman definitely deserve to be there. I think Nito flew under the radar a little bit, but he's getting a little less playing time now that McCann's heating up. Offensively, if McCann and Lindor can keep going, McCann and Lindor will deserve a lot more consideration than they might get. The Mets, this Mets team is truly showing it's a team effort and not a one-man show when it comes to winning baseball games, and that's I love that. Which brings us to the last part of today's episode, Today in Baseball History. On Today in Major League Baseball History, in 2010, Steven Strasburg came up and made his Major League debut for the Nationals. He struck out 14 over 7 innings in a 5-2 win over the Pirates. Steven Strasburg came up as a number one overall pick, was the guy, was hyped up to be the guy for the Nationals for the next however many years. The past couple years, injuries have been a huge Achilles heel in Strasburg, which is unfortunate because Strasburg and Scherzer is one of the best one-two punches in all of baseball. But that was Today in Baseball History. Thank you so much for watching or listening to today's episode of Raise the Apple. Mets are back in action tonight with two games against the Orioles before coming home for a nice homestand with the Padres and they will also face off the Nats for the first time. A lot to be excited about. The Mets are for real in 2021. Hopefully the hot streak can continue into the summer months. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at RTA underscore pod. And as always, thank you for tuning in, and let's go Mets. Don't stop till we're legend